0: We have breaking news, Mitch McConnell will step down as the Republican leader in the Senate in November. According to the Associated Press, just ran this headline a moment ago, coming a day after we watched the driveway outside the West Wing, a big meeting with the big four. Of course, on a budget and potentially funding our allies in Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, everyone came out except Mitch McConnell. He got in the SUV and went back to the Capitol of course, knowing that we'd be talking about this today, but also potentially giving Mike Johnson a little bit of cover so they didn't have to publicly disagree about what went on inside. And that's something we want to talk about with Wendy Benjaminson, of course, Washington's uh, senior editor is with us here. Wendy, this is not what we expected to be talking about, and I no. want to ask you about what happened in Michigan last night, because it's important. Yeah. Uh, but Mitch McConnell, my gosh, a record run in this powerful post. What does it say that he's stepping down? Is it that he's too old to keep doing the job, or the party's left him?
1: Well, obviously, we don't know yet, because all we, you and I know so far is this yeah. headline from the AP, and I'm sure we're all scrambling to find out exactly the answer to that question. It very well could be his age. He's had those two public mm-hmm. incidents, at least two public incidents, where he just seemed to freeze and lose, I don't know, if the ability to speak or the ability for his brain to catch up. Yeah. Um, but clearly, that struck us as an age-related problem. He is 82 years old. Although
0: his doctor did make the point that it followed a, a fall. He had a spell. That's right. That, so that it may have Could have uh, been concussion-related problem, or yeah.
1: something like that. Mm-hmm. So, right. But... Clearly, it it certainly gave the impression of an old leader. And then also, there is this sense now that the transformation of the Republican Party, Mm -hmm. with Trump coming back as the front-runner and probable nominee, Is complete, that that transformation is done, and what we all thought of conservatives, what being conservative meant for the last 30, 40 years, no longer means that. And Mitch McConnell is, you know, one of those lions of the Senate, really into procedure, really into trying to do bipartisan where he can, trying to stick it to Democrats where he can, and it's a... But it's not a let's own the libs sort of attitude that a lot of new Republicans, Mm -hmm. Trump Republicans have. And so he may, what we may find in our reporting today is that he's just decided that the party left him.
0: That's right. Uh, He's watched Donald Trump uh, disparage his wife publicly. Yeah. He's lost apparently the argument over Ukraine funding, at least in the way he wanted it to be done. Right. Um, You wonder if he stays on. Then past the election, is he going to be having lunch with Nancy Pelosi, talking about the old days?
1: <laughs> yeah, they probably they probably My will. God. I mean, they have known each other. A you really, said really something long time. incredibly
0: important, though. The transformation is complete. He was the last holdout.
1: Exactly. And I don't I think he's he may be worried about leading the party after the 2024 election. Mm -hmm. You know, if Donald Trump wins, well, if, if Biden wins, he's the minority leader. If Trump wins and and I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that if. Democrats control the Senate, he's yes, the minority true. leader. Yep. If That's Republicans true. flip the Senate, he's the majority leader, but always with a guy who doesn't see the world in the White House mm. the same way that McConnell does.
0: Right. And if, you yeah, know. my goodness, if Donald Trump is the next president of the United States, he could be dead in the water. And we are going to be asking a lot of questions about the role that Donald Trump played in this, right? right. He could have given him an ultimatum. Uh, we have no idea what happened behind the scenes here because this is uh, quite the breaker. If you're just joining us, Mitch McConnell stepping down or at least announcing that he will as the Senate Republican leader in November.
1: And, and you know, we know that the McConnell team and the Trump team have been talking recently behind the scenes mm-hmm. about whether McConnell will endorse Trump. Yes. Right. And I think if McConnell does endorse Trump, I'm going back to that lion of the Senate yeah. old school kind of guy. If Trump is clearly the Republican nominee, then McConnell will hold his nose, explain to his wife right. and, um, you know, and go ahead and endorse and him because Republican. he's a loyal Republican.
0: When you see this headline though then you start because that has been the big conversation is this his way of saying no i'm not endorsing donald trump boy
1: i don't know that would
0: be something that
1: would be something Uh, talk about the last
0: holdout as we spend time with wendy benjaminson uh this is remarkable and we'll have a lot more to talk about uh with our panel rick and Jeannie will be here in about 10 minutes and of course we're going to get their take they'll be here in even less than that Uh, wendy the michigan primary is behind us now
1: that was interesting. <laughs> How
0: about that? I want to hear why you think it was, because we knew, well, I guess we all thought we knew Donald Trump and Joe Biden were going to win.
1: Right. And they did.
0: And they did. We can't mistake that. <laughs> right. But when you look under the hood here, it didn't come without a little bit of pain, especially for Joe Biden. 100,000 uncommitted votes.
1: 100,000 essentially protest votes. Well, it, it really shows us, for the very first time, the depth of concern among both voters of color. Muslim American voters and Mm -hmm. young voters um, who are extremely worried about – or who want to at least – put Joe Biden on notice that he cannot take them for granted. Uh That he has to take steps on the Middle East and he has to take other steps um, toward things that they've wanted that he promised them Mm -hmm. in 2019 and 2020. The interesting thing was that some of those 100,000 protest votes did not just come from the Muslim American sort of enclaves of Dearborn and and places like that. It came from Ann Arbor. It came from East Lansing. Those are college towns. And they have a, a more liberal population than a lot Of Michigan, but also a lot of those young people Mm -hmm. who are extremely dissatisfied. Helped
0: to get him there in 20. you know, we hear the analysis young people don't vote anyway, they're gonna probably sleep in that day. But I wonder if this starts to resonate in other college towns like Madison, where the president needs those votes to win in razor thin margins.
1: Exactly. And we've seen going all the way back to Bill Clinton and especially with Barack Obama, young people will vote when they believe they have a reason to vote. There when they go. will believe I mean, you always have a reason to vote, as I tell my kids, but they um but they When they feel inspired, Mm -hmm. when they feel that they are going to have a choice to pick a leader, even if it's to vote against Donald Trump, but then you have to give them a good reason to vote for something. Mm -hmm. And they're not—a lot of them, at least, are not seeing it. You know, the news for Donald Trump wasn't all 100% rosy last night either. You're right. Nikki Haley is still getting— a significant portion of the Republican primary voters, which tells you that in the general election, mm-hmm. there will be Republicans who will look for an alternative, mm-hmm. whether it's RFK Jr., whether it's Jill Stein, whether it's Joe Biden, they're going to look somewhere else. Or do they else, leave it, or it or blank, they just we saw in,
0: like we saw in Georgia, right. You know, where they're Republican all the way down the ballot, but they never, they or they wrote in someone maybe right. for president. Uh, Wendy Benjaminson is with us on Balance of Power. That's with 99% of the ballots counted, by the way, 81 to 13, 81 percent to 13 percent for Joe Biden running against himself almost in this case it's kind of interesting Um, and he's got a big day tomorrow he's going to the border. Yes. So is Donald Trump. They're both I, I going to I don't really the understand how now, this happened.
1: Well, they're going to be hundreds yes, of miles of course. apart. I think Biden is going to Brownsville, which is on the People Gulf are going Coast. to see
0: this as a standoff, though, like they planned it that way, right?
1: Yeah. Um, right. It will be sort of a, a standoff on the Mexican border. So, you yeah. know, cue the Clint Eastwood music. But um, I, it's, it will be interesting because they will both be trying to say the border is important. They will both be trying to say, I can fix it. Mm-hmm. And it will be a matter of who... Does Joe that. Biden
0: need to show up with something, or do you save that for the State of the Union and say, "I just got back from the border and yeah. I am taking this action here tonight"? Or does he need to say more than, "Hey, here I am, take my picture tomorrow"?
1: Yeah, I think what he'll do tomorrow is probably, you know, smack around Republicans a little bit for tanking the last bipartisan border bill. Yeah. Explain that he can't do it with executive orders because he, as he said, said earlier this week, that re- fixing the border requires personnel, which requires money, which requires appropriations which requires Congress. So that's I think, will be his message down there. Mm -hmm. I want to fix it. He's a little late to the party, but he wants to fix it. And um, there we go.
0: We're hearing the voice now of Mitch McConnell, and we want to bring you live to the Senate floor. As we just told you, he's announced that he will step down as leader in November. Let's listen live on Bloomberg.
2: There's a certain introspection that accompanies the grieving process. Perhaps it is God's way of reminding you of your own life's journey to reprioritize the impact of the world that we will all inevitably leave behind. I turned 82 last week. (coughs) The end of my contributions are closer than I'd prefer. My career in the United States Senate began amidst the Reagan revolution truth is, when I got here, I was just happy if anybody remembered my name. President Reagan called me Mitch O'Donnell. Close enough, I thought. My wife Elaine and I got married on President Reagan's birthday, February 6th. It's probably not the most romantic thing to admit. But Reagan meant a lot to both of us. For 31 years, Elaine has been the love of my life, and I'm eternally grateful to have her by my side. I think back to my first days in the Senate with deep appreciation for the time that helped shape my view of the world. I'm unconflicted about the good within our country and the irreplaceable role we play as the leader of the free world. It's why I worked so hard to get the national security package passed earlier this month. Believe me, I know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time. I have many faults, misunderstanding politics is not one of them. That said, I believe more strongly than ever that America's global leadership is essential to preserving the shining city on a hill that Ronald Reagan discussed. As long as I'm drawing breath on this earth, I will defend American exceptionalism. So as I've been thinking about when I would deliver some news to the Senate, I always imagined a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work. A moment when I'm certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe. That day arrived today. My goals when I was narrowly elected to the Senate back in 1984 were fairly modest. Do a good job for the people of Kentucky and convince them that by doing so they might rehire me for a second term. That was it. That was the plan. If you would have told me 40 years later that I would stand before you as the longest serving senate leader in American history, frankly, I would have thought you'd lost your mind. I have the honor of representing Kentucky in the Senate longer than anyone else in our state's history. I just never could have imagined, never could have imagined that happening when I arrived here in 1984 at 42. I'm filled with heartfelt gratitude and humility for the opportunity. But now it's 2024. I'm now 82. As Ecclesiastes tells us, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To serve Kentucky in the Senate has been the honor of my life to lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. But one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, however, I'll complete my job my colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. I'll finish the job that people of Kentucky hired me to do as well, albeit from a different seat, and I'm actually looking forward to that. So it's time for me to think about another season. I love the Senate, it's been my life. There may be more distinguished members of this body throughout our history, but I doubt there were any with any more admiration for the Senate. After all this time, I still get a thrill walking into the Capitol, and especially on this venerable floor knowing that we, each of us, have the honor to represent our states, and do the important work of our country. But Father Time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership. As Henry Clay said in this very body in 1850 the Constitution of the United States was not made merely for the generation that then existed, but for posterity, unlimited, undefined, endless, perpetual posterity. So time rolls on. There'll be a new custodian of this great institution next year. won't surprise you no. know I intend to turn this job over to a Republican majority leader. I have full confidence in my conference to choose my replacement and lead our country forward. There'll be other times to reminisce. I'm immensely proud of the accomplishments I've played some role in obtaining for the American people. Today is not the day to discuss all of that, because as I said earlier, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. There are many challenges we must meet to deliver for the American people, and each will have my full effort and attention. I still have enough gas in my tank to thoroughly disappoint my critics. (laughs) And I intend to do so with all the enthusiasm with which they've become accustomed. (laughs) So to my colleagues, thank you for entrusting me with our success. It's been an honor to work with each of you. There'll be plenty of time to express my gratitude in greater detail. As I sprint towards the finish line, which is now in sight, I yield the floor.
0: Senator Mitch McConnell, there live in the chamber, the majority leader, once now minority leader, will be stepping down from his leadership post in November as we brought you here uh, just a short time ago, a breaking situation today in Washington, D.C. I would love to just get a quick thought from Wendy Benjaminson. Wendy, before you leave us, uh, the news broke while you were in the chair here. We just listened to that together. A very emotional address.
1: Moving, really. Um,
0: How would you describe it? Does he feel defeated or does he feel like he's leaving on top?
1: No, I, I don't think he feels... Feels defeated. I, I, my impression was it sort of confirmed everything you and I were talking about right before he we went to that speech, which is that he he really he and Nancy Pelosi too they are so sort of such creatures of that institution yeah. in the way that we've always understood that institution to be. You know, I mean, almost part of the furniture, if you will, mm. um, because these. The chambers didn't operate without one of them. Some of the furniture. pulling yep. Yes, exactly. Um, and yet, he's he's giving the sense that what I said before that you know the things have changed. This mm-hmm. is a new century. Mm-hmm. This is a new way of approaching politics. You know, seniority doesn't guarantee access. Being junior doesn't you know deny access. Um, and the whole place is run in a much different way than it was in the Reagan era and he must have mentioned Ronald Reagan three or four times there. He longs for that era and that era doesn't exist anymore. Well, you know? Yeah. And you know, love him or hate him, he really is an institutionalist. And I think he feels like, you know, he's either too old or too out of style to run that chamber anymore.
0: Well, thanks for sticking around with us. Uh, i always be look here. forward to Wendy Benjaminson's insights, Bloomberg's <laughs> Washington senior editor. Thank you, Wendy. As we assemble our panel, didn't think we'd be talking about this, but need to hear from Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors on news that Mitch McConnell is in fact stepping down as leader. Rick, you spent a number of years, I think, as we all know, working with John McCain in the United States Senate. You have uh, every sense of the importance of this Particular tenure. What does it mean that it's coming to an end now?
3: Yeah, I think what Wendy just said about it's really the end of an era. We saw Nancy Pelosi in her eighties retire or, or be retired, um, and um, and now we have uh, Mitch McConnell eighty two uh, retiring uh, from this leadership post. Uh, we're going to have a whole new generation. Uh, that comes into power, uh, power positions in Washington uh, in 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 the very near future. And I think that era is going to be ushered in as to youthful leadership. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the Senate as far as the elections go and whether or not we're picking a minority leader or a majority leader in this cycle. But uh, at the end of the day, we're going to lose a master strategist at legislation and politics. I was actually happy to hear that he talked about His grasp of politics. I've never met a member of the United States Senate who knew more polling and strategy Mm. than Mitch McConnell did. He was a real study in politics. And for people like me, uh, that helped have conversations with him about the impacts of what happened in the United States Senate. They weren't in a vacuum politically, he
0: calculated the politics of every move he made. Fascinating. The quote that stuck out to me, Jeannie, the end of my contributions are closer than I'd prefer. And you wonder how much of this had to do with his age or the impact of Donald Trump on his party. Maybe you can't separate the two. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think it's really hard to separate the two. And I was struck by that as well, because, of course, this is a party that has changed enormously in the last several years. But certainly since Mitch McConnell took the helm in the Senate and since he joined the Senate, this is not the same Republican Party of Mitch McConnell's time. And we have seen challenges to his leadership in the Senate very very recently and so i think that's part of it and i think we have to take him at his word that he feels like it is now time to hand over the mantle and this is something so many of our leaders are grappling with right now right up to our presidential leading contenders and joe biden and donald trump as you see new generations saying wait a minute is it time for you to exit stage left? So so many, you know, of our leaders grappling with this challenge. And I think Mitch McConnell makes a really important point. Part of being a leader is having a succession plan. And we know that he's got the three Johns in waiting, and I would hope a couple of the women as well in the Senate leadership on the Republican side who may be able to fill his shoes. But that's a critical part of being a leader, is knowing when to exit and hand over the mantle to the next generation. He is right about that part of it.
0: So what do you think about the succession plan here, Rick? It's always been about the three Johns in terms of recent history, Barrasso, Thune, and Cornyn. Will it, in fact, be one of them? Uh, it could be. Uh, there's no question that the caucus itself
3: is going through some turmoil. We saw attacks against Mitch McConnell earlier in the year uh, related to uh, his uh, efforts to try and uh, pass Ukraine funding. And, and so uh, I think you'd have to sort of see it as an opportunistic uh, situation. Obviously, the three Johns who have been participating in leadership for a very long time know how the strings are pulled, understand how to get legislation passed, understand the dynamic within the caucus probably better than anyone else, but there are other people who have ambitions and leadership, uh, people like Tom Tillis, who uh, I think have, uh, you know, studied Mitch McConnell's leadership for quite some time and may be ready to emerge. And, and so I think you can see also potentially a right flank attack. Uh, you know, Ted Cruz and some of his buddies have been very vocally opposed to Mitch McConnell and may put up a candidate that that represents
0: their point of view. You wonder, Jeannie, with all the talk lately of uh, conversations happening that might bring Mitch McConnell to a Donald Trump endorsement, which we talked about yesterday and some think is inevitable, was this his way of saying no, that I'm not going to be part of this?
4: I was thinking about that. You know, I think it's a hard call. I think I veer on the side that Mitch McConnell is a real institutionalist, and he is somebody who is deeply committed to the Republican Party. Since he committed to supporting whoever is the nominee, I believe he will probably, in the end, support Donald Trump. He may hold his nose like some other voters and do that, but I think he will, as Donald Trump goes to take that you know mantle as the nominee this year again you know i would also again just let's add to the list of possible successors Ernst in Iowa, Shelley Moore Capito in West Virginia. There are women Hmm. in the House Republican leadership who could really play a very important role. And so, you know, uh, in addition to all those folks that Rick just mentioned and the Three Johns, I think we also have to look to them because they have a very sort of interesting perspective and a path to the Senate and a lot that they could do in their House Republican, I mean, sorry, Senate Republican leadership.
0: Yes, right. Yeah. Um, A lot to consider here as we move into this election cycle or further into it. Rick, I don't know if you see a McConnell endorsement of Trump in the offing. Uh, Does he does he want to be remembered as a tried and true Republican or in this case, the guy who said no? I don't think it was an accident that he
3: wistfully discussed on his floor speech just now. Uh, how much he uh, uh, was impacted by Ronald Reagan's leadership, uh, basically giving hmm. credit to Ronald Reagan for his marriage. Uh, but the yes. the reality is that is the Republican Party that Mitch McConnell has fought so hard to be successful. Uh, and the isolationist policies of Donald Trump may as well be in the Democratic Party, right? That's what he's fought his entire career. And so it wouldn't surprise me that in conjunction with a decision that I suspect has a lot more to do with being 82 years old than anything political right now. Remember, he's had some challenges with his health this last year. Yes, uh, That uh, he uses the opportunity to not feel compelled to have to play in this presidential election and may just skip an endorsement, uh, you know, if, it, if mm-hmm. it's Donald
0: Trump's to have. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano with the instant analysis as we learn Mitch McConnell will be stepping down from his leadership post in November. Not going anywhere anytime soon, he says. He will continue to serve the state of Kentucky just from a different seat. This is Bloomberg.